0: Now entering nerdist.com.
1: Welcome to the Writers Panel. I'm Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the podcast. I created the show because I wanted to talk to other writers about the business and process of writing. I've had more than 500 writers on the show, so please check the archives to find more writers and more TV shows of interest to you. I'm a writer myself, having written for Supernatural, Puss in Boots, and other programs. I have a couple of cool projects out this first quarter of 2017. ...that I hope you'll check out. One is a supernatural western comic book series from Boom Publishing... ...that I wrote with my writing partner Ben Acker... ...and our friend, the TV showrunner Andrew Miller. It's beautifully illustrated by Hannah Christensen... ...and the first issue is available in comic stores and online February 8th. In March comes the first book in a series of young adult novels... ...that Acker and I wrote called Star Wars Join the Resistance. It takes place just before The Force Awakens... ...and is about a bunch of kids who join the fight against the First Order... But mostly they have adventures, fall in love with each other, and get in trouble. I hope you'll check out both of those projects. We're very proud of how they came out. Let me know who you'd like to hear on this podcast by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, like the color only more so, liking the Writer's Panel on Facebook, and visiting writerspanel.tumblr.com. And if you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Reading those reviews... Really provides a pick me up. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the writers' panel with man Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh yeah! Welcome, you guys. Thank you for being here. Uh, I'm, what I'm going to do is have you go around uh, and introduce yourselves and tell us what you are working on right now, um, so the
2: listener will know what you sound like. Uh, Adam, let's start with you. Great. Uh, my name is Adam Nussdorf, and I'm currently working on Beyond for Freeform. When does that premiere? It premieres January 2nd. Okay. All at once. You can binge them all. <laughs> is that true? Yeah. I didn't realize yeah, they were yeah. doing that.
1: Mm hmm. Um, I have questions about that. Great. Remind me. Okay. Shereen.
0: I'm Shereen Razak. I'm on Shadowhunters on Freeform. Also, we are premiering on January 2nd. All of them? No. One at a time.
3: <laughs> Not into it. <laughs> Uh, Brandon Braga, uh, good to be back Welcome back um, I do a show called Salem, which is airing now on WGN at uh, 9 o'clock on Wednesdays <laughs> and uh, and I'm also doing another season of a show called Cosmos and a show with Seth MacFarlane for Fox which is kind of a Star Trek-like science fiction adventure That's
4: great hm <laughs> Peter Tolan. I'm working on um, Outsiders for WGN, and I'm uh, working with Norman Lear on a on a project. So, How fun. Yeah, that is fun. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, all right. I told you guys I wanted to start by asking you what you did this week. I think it'll give a good sort of slice of what this job entails uh, to the listener. So, anyone who wants to jump in, who did, did any of you have a typical week? Yes. What was involved?
0: Um, For us in the writer's room, our typical week is breaking story. And so we uh, got one story off the board and sent that writer to Outline, and um, we started blue-skying our new story
3: and what how deep in what does argument? blue skying mean yeah that's yeah. what i want to know i'm, Actually, a, I'm old yeah. i don't know these new people. me times. too um,
0: well what we call blue skying, and i'm not sure if everybody else would call it blue sky um is just basically talking in general what are all the threads that we need to pull through what would we ultimately love to see in the episode scenes that we'd love to see moments things that we'd love to the characters to do and then eventually we start talking about the nuts and bolts of the story
4: And I have another question because I feel like a dope. What is what's freeform? I know that I really f- I feel like a fool. I guess, but whatever. I'm not really in the business technically anymore. What <laughs> is a new. It used, is free to, you, it, it used
1: two TV.
2: shows. You're not yeah. in the business anymore. I don't know what's happening. It used to be ABC Family, and they oh, rebranded. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's it's about a year old, I think. Mm.
0: Yeah. We um, Shadowhunters actually season one was the the show that launched it. Okay. And it was last year, and um, since then we've been trying well not trying to but we're just like being a new brand and taking the ideas that we're taking the viewers from first kiss to first baby essentially mm-hmm. is the the idea for what,
1: and was there discussion i mean shadow hunters was one of the launching shows of mm-hmm. the brand so was there discussion about why this show and this new rebranded network
0: uh, for this show, part of it was because we the, the show is based on a series of novels, mm-hmm. YA novels, and so it has a built-in fan base. And so we knew that we were going to have a certain number of people and a certain demographic coming to the show. And um, it fit very well with where Freeform wanted to go with their
1: audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so just to circle back around, so you were in the room, your breaking story. How deep in are you?
0: We are our season two is season two A and two B, so we are doing ten and ten, and so we're now breaking episode four of two B.
3: That's that sounds to me like you're in blue sky mode. (laughs) (laughs) As someone very familiar with it, (laughs) Um,
1: I'm curious to hear, and and we will move on. But I, I would like to hear about you know when you are blue skying. (laughs) <laughs> and look, it's come up before. It sounds it's, like a drug. It's just that we yeah. keep repeating it. It sounds crying. crazy. Yeah. Um, when you are in that mode, how do you, as the person in charge, start to, you know, give parameters, start to help the story take shape to be the show that it needs to be?
0: Well, I'll say this. I'm rarely in charge. <laughs> um, so uh, my job in the room is much more uh, to pitch and, and pitch a lot and um come up with as much story as possible and come into the room with as much story as possible and build off of other people's ideas as much mm-hmm. as possible. And so um, Blue Skying is, for me, a lot of fun, but I, I love it when we get into the nuts and bolts of the story.
1: hmm yeah, no, it makes sense. I think I think we all kind of do. I mean, that, <laughs> that open time is very appealing, but the actual making of the story is is where the work is, in a good way. Yeah. Um, Brandon,
3: what did you do this week? What did your week look like? Well, um, when Salem wrapped production in July, I went into. I'm in writing mode on the next two things. The two shows I have to start shooting. Um, early and mid next year, so I'm in writing mode, so I spend the first four or five hours of the day writing Cosmos with Andrean and the second half of the day writing this other show, which mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm apparently not allowed to <laughs> about, but, it's fair. Uh, but So it's really, I, I, I spend about ten hours a day writing right now and have developed the lower back pain for the first time in my life from sitting chair. I'm in the wrong chair. I bought a new chair. I bought an ergonomic chair. And it screwed up your back. The ergonomic one? Yes. No, the, the shitty one did. I oh, don't know about oh, the new one. I just I got it.
4: I, one time, I my back was t- completely destroyed by an ergonomic chair. Oh, well, that's that's not good. And I went right back to I, the old one. I bought milk a
0: butt pillow instead.
4: Yeah, really? Yeah. So. Well, uh, Adam, how do you deal
1: with your back pain?
2: <laughs> um, Percocet? Sure. <laughs>
1: wow. Um, but so you're in writing mode on these two things, and you're writing 10 hours a day. Are you actually writing 10 hours a day? Like, what is that? What is your process? Oh, I, I actually writing?
3: am. Uh, because I'm with in, in both partners in both cases, uh-huh. so it kind of forces us to actually work. Uh, yeah, I mean, I really I take a little break here and there, but it's there's not a lot of screwing around. I have you know, deadlines to meet, um, and one is a pilot. Yes, no. Well, that uh, the, the McFarland one was ordered to series. Oh, okay. Uh, so you guys are doing more than you're. you're we're doing. Writing we're stories. doing thirteen episodes of um, that one.
1: How is it, has his story already been broken? What like what? What does this process look like right now?
3: Oh well, on Cosmos we started to work back in January, blue skying uh, <laughs> about what the season would be and what what was the ethos and the of the season and kind of figured out what every episode would be and and now we're writing like episode six Mm. out of 13 and a little behind schedule um and uh but and then the other show uh with seth is more of a kind of standalone storytelling but so we are breaking that episode by episode there's not necessarily an overarching thing going on gotcha and how do you how do you work with a partner on these i mean i remember
1: when we talked last which was over a year ago um you had talked about you know the way that you came up in a room is sort of different than the way you like to run a room. Um, is writing with someone
3: something that is easy to you? I I have been very lucky to have great partners over the years, mm-hmm. and um, I, I I don't like writing alone. I, I I will do it of course, but I much prefer to have a really talented person in the room with me, and whether it's Andrewian or with salem a guy named adam simon or ron moore at one point i love writing with with other people it's 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 much less lonely and honestly less terrifying
2: that's great
4: uh peter what happened this week uh this week i did some writing i'm working like i said i'm working with norman lear norman wrote a script six six years ago which i'm rewriting which is a little daunting you know but nevertheless. Um, and so I'm, I'm probably in a third or fourth draft on that. So I spent most of yesterday doing that. And just before I came here, I gave it another half hour just to make sure everything was okay. And uh, later this afternoon, I'll be at a sound mix for, I think, the third episode of Outsiders. Mm-hmm. And other than that, just meetings and a lot of gray skying. Um, That's <laughs> where I'm extremely depressed about just really life in general. That's mostly what I'm doing. But it, uh, other other projects, too, people are giving me scripts or things, and I'm trying to move some stuff forward. So. Now, and you have partners
1: on Outsiders also. Yes. Um, how do how are you guys sort of dealing with the post-production work, and who's taking what, and it's, what are
4: you looking at? You know, it sort of depends who's in town. And I'm here, I live here, so right. it's easier. The, the guy who created the show, Peter Mattei, he'll handle a lot of the post if he's here he has he sometimes is in in new york and sometimes in austin um right now he's away so i'm i'm up okay and and so i just go in and either go editing with a network they'll come over and take a look at stuff which i think they're gonna do later in the week or this uh, sound mixes and stuff
1: and when and so so because you're in post i imagine that gives you the time to work on this other project yeah uh when outsiders when the
4: room is happening yeah do you work on anything else? Can you? I find it hard to uh, multitask, you know, brain-wise when it comes to that. Like, I get so focused on the intricacies of story and where I'm going and everything like that that I try to just focus on that. And it's really three months, probably, of very like day-to-day going in mm-hmm. and running the room and trying to figure it all out. So it it feels I I don't can't multitask that way. Mm-hmm. I uh, two outsiders' questions.
1: Yes, and then we'll move on. Um so I know the your Peter Matei is not this is his first television uh experience, yes, right? Yes. Uh he he was on the show I think maybe a year ago and we talked about that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh what do you see as your job especially, you know, in that first season or in the development phase in
4: bringing him in and making sure his voice was he is new, heard. Is, was he new to the business or he's done it? i think he's done pretty much everything he's written books and he's he's written screenplays and he's written he's written a lot of other tv stuff too just didn't get made right and so this i think he finally said i'm just going to write something that i know will never sell i'm just going to write it and enjoy it and of course it sold you know <laughs> so like immediately like 13 episodes on the air so it wasn't even just like we're going to do a pilot it was like right. 13 wow. episodes and my job can probably be best, you know, defined by what he said to me, which is he wrote the pilot, and then he, we met a couple of times, and he said, yeah, I'd like to do it with you. And, and then he said to me one day, like, how do you do it? Like, how do you, how do you make this one script into 13 episodes of a thing? And I said, well, I'll, you know, I'll, hopefully I'll show you, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's my job, is really just to say, here's what it takes Here's what's involved, and let's just, you know, dive in. And to sort of facilitate his, you know, his vision Mm -hmm. for the thing and and turn it into a series. Well, that was sort of my other question,
1: is... What are you getting out of this? I mean, we know you as a comedy guy, and Outsiders <laughs> seem such a crazy... When I saw your name yeah, on it, I was I like, know, it that can't sense. be the
4: same Peter Tolan. Well, it doesn't... Yeah, you know, here's the weird thing. I guess over the years, I've learned how to write a lot of different things. Sure. There's some... with, uh, I guess with time and experience comes some level of capability. So when we would go out and promote the show when we're promoting outside, I mean, more people came in, you know, when we do these things with, uh, you know, people from, you know, San Diego or Indiana or whatever, and they go, aren't you a comedy guy? Like, what are you doing on this? Uh, It's not, you know, it's a different muscle, definitely. Mm -hmm. And I do try to get some humor into the show. There's no jokes, obviously, but there is some level of humor in the show. Um, That's sort of in the way like Rescue Me was able to do that. Rescue Me was much funnier, though. I mean, sure. that was a, a weird mix of drama and really just balls out mm-hmm. funny stuff. This is not funny. <laughs> this is this is sort of like mythic. You're really selling the show. <laughs> I, well, it's not. Well, it's not no, meant it's to be not. funny. It is very mythic. It's a very specific world people haven't mm-hmm. seen before. Uh, it, it's a really interesting show. That's why I did it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was the first person to go, me? (laughs) On this thing? But I really found it compelling. And and that's a good enough reason. I mean, this
1: is something I wanted to open up to all of you guys. It seems like
2: you're the perfect person for that show because you need otherwise without those little bits of comedy... That show would mm-hmm. just...
4: Here's the problem. You th- think about a... that show, and you'd say, My, it's about people who are living on a mountain, and they've been up for 200 years, and they speak a different language. That mm-hmm. show could be really goofy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you if you just went two, two inches over the line, that show could be goofy, and people go, I don't believe it, it's just not worth the time. Mm-hmm. But because we're able to tow that line, I think people are into it. Like, they're digging that show. They really are. And, and to Adam's yeah. point, it could have swung either way. Oh, yeah. Has uh, that been a
2: hard yeah. line to find? throughout, the, throughout yeah, the season? Yes,
4: yeah. I mean, I've even... I mean, I've pitched some things that, I, uh, that sort of be... I remember, you know, when we, we had to... Uh, the first season had to pitch the season to to WGN, and they were t- t- really, I think, to some degree, very tentative about what they had bought. Because they <laughs> they just were like, I don't know what this is going to be. This is so weird. I mean, what's it going to look like? They were really nervous. And I pitched the thing where this, they, they go up with the sheriff, and he falls and gets his foot caught in a bear trap. And he falls back into another bear trap. He takes his head <laughs> off, and his head rolls down the mountain. And they just went, yeah. yeah. Like they went, that's the show. Like oh this, thing, this thing. This thing. This year, I also pitched something really over the top. At which point, everybody was like, "Yeah!" But everybody came in the next day and went, "No, that's too far. That's too far." But that's so an amazing that's thing. That's trying to get that line. Yeah, yeah. You know, but the, I, the group is learning where that line
1: is, oh, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah. Um, all right, Adam. Let's let's wrap up just by asking what you are, have done this
2: week, uh, and then we're out of time. Uh, great. <laughs> I'll go home. Post production. Mm-hmm. If uh, if people want to hear about post production, um, people do want to hear about post production, and I never cover it because it's I, so boring. I'm so jealous of everyone here who's actually doing like, like writing, like ten hours a day <laughs> writing in the blue sky. I and it's I I feel like that all day yesterday. I was in a dark room doing color correction, and I know nothing about color correction. <laughs> But I have an opinion on every frame, <laughs> and I don't, and I can't sure. articulate anything, mm-hmm. but I, does it look green? I don't know, but I want it to look more like this, and, but I guess that's part of the job. I don't know,
4: I'm, I'm so green to no, this. No, no, mm-hmm. you must pretend. <laughs> Yes. When in doubt, pretend I'm going to these sound mixes. I think I'm deaf in one ear, yeah. so I'm always going. I'm not getting anything out of the right channel. What are you guys doing?
1: <laughs> but this, were you, I mean, this is your first show yeah. uh, that is your show. Were you? You can't be prepared for this, right? You're suddenly no. No. in charge of this enormous, multi-million-dollar organization. Uh, and you had come from the Once Upon a Time camp, is that right? Yeah,
2: Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Did they? Were you well trained to sort of handle what aspects were you well trained to handle? Um, a writer's room, okay. I think, and 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 story. Um, and, and I was on Wonderland for for just a season, mm-hmm. um, but it was it was a great room, and I kind of took what what worked really well, and that's just you know a, a lot of people um, respecting each other and. Trying to <laughs> make it through the day having fun mm-hmm. um, and tried to to bring that to the to the room as well um, how did you put your room together when it came time to do that uh, it was i finding reading samples mm-hmm. um, but the thing that you know it's 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 a sci-fi show but I really wanted people who could write character absolutely and who wanted to make a family drama mm-hmm. like I think it's 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 harder to find- it's harder to fill a room with with people who who really focus on not so much the bells and whistles and the kind of supernatural stuff and the really fun stuff to write but actually who are able to just do a nine minute dialogue scene between a mother and a son mm-hmm. um, so I tried to find uh a lot of those people and was that those were the sort of samples you were responding to yeah i mean it's because of sci fi show we were sent a lot of Scripts about aliens and government conspiracies and this and that, um, but the ones that stood stood out were the ones that had that deeper layer where you you could find you could you know grasp onto those characters and sure the supernatural stuff was fun but you there was enough there beneath the surface to you know to to warrant the good to warrant the story sure yeah
1: and I'm curious to hear about that from the rest of you guys about putting staffs together and the sort of material you responded to
0: um i'm a producer on the show so i wasn't part of the actual hiring but in terms of the 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 staff that we have the the assembled group is everybody has their own superpower which mm-hmm. i think is is really helpful in any staff is that um some people are the genre people some people are the character people and some people are just really good at humor the little bits of humor that we try and throw in and then some people are really good at the horror mm-hmm. and so what
1: do you think what do you think your superpower is
0: i'm a genre person uh-huh. i grew up on stuff. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, brandon stuff um brand actually I, I was in advertising before i became a writer and brandon and i actually met on a um at uh the upfronts and uh for threshold one oh, year right. <laughs> way way sorry now. both of you <laughs> <laughs> and um I was just a big fan from back then, and I've always been a big genre person.
1: Okay. Uh, What was the sample that was read? Or what? did did you have that sort of magic script that goes around that people respond strongly to? (laughs)
0: Um, The the sample for Shadowhunters that we submitted was... um, I'd actually written because I wanted to be on a Freeform show, an ABC family show. And so it was a supernatural teen uh, drama, Mm -hmm. and um, it was just you know perfect for shadow hunters <laughs> that's
1: uh, why did you want to be on one of those shows
0: um i got excited about abc family back when they did kyle xy mm-hmm. and so then when they're really good about promoting their new shows within shows that are already going and so i would sample all of their sho- shows as they came up mm-hmm. and the thing that i really loved about what they were doing is that they would they'd be doing teen dramas but they'd always be talking about something, telling, telling good stories about um, relevant topics. And so it was one of the reasons why I wanted to be a sci-fi writer, because everything is an allegory for something, and that was one of the things that I loved about Star Trek back in the day. And so um, I just knew that at some point I wanted to be on this network.
1: Uh, and so did the script that you wrote, were you able to talk about issues? Were you able to talk about some subject
0: um for me yes and in, in some ways it was just it was being the outsider mm-hmm. because um i i grew up in texas and well the audience can't see but i'm i'm um indian american and my my dad's side of the family is muslim and so growing up in texas there's just a lot of things that you go through <laughs> and um and so and even now Even more so, and so I get to when I get to put that into a script. It's it's really fun. That's
1: neat. That's great. Um, Let's. uh, I want to touch on some of that other stuff in a minute, but let's go back to putting rooms together. Um, Brandon, how big is the uh, Salem room?
3: Salem room is like eight of seven writers.
1: Okay, and have they been there through? Uh, the, Pretty were much, the third, yeah.
3: fourth season? Pretty much, through three seasons, same people, yeah.
1: Um, so do you remember, in putting this room together, mm-hmm. what kind of scripts stuck out to you, or were you looking for something specific? And then what does a writer have to do in the subsequent meeting to get the job?
3: Well, I tend to first look at who I've worked with that would be good for the show. Mm-hmm. Because if you've worked with someone and you know they can deliver... it's really good i mean to have like a uh i fortunately had a co-creator that is insanely talented and made my job so much easier and then you i i just tend to read material i I can't tell you what makes me respond to a script except Mm -hmm. that it's to me something that's really well written and clear and and um and then i'll meet with that person and uh if it (laughs) works <laughs> um but uh that's the secret everyone it's uh, yeah. it's easy right i mean it's also but there you know there was like a a uh, a, a one of the best writers on the show a woman named Do- Donna Thorland is a, a a novelist who writes period thriller romance type stuff and she lives in Salem and curates this museum a museum oh, wow. there part time and she was brought to my attention um and she's great and that's an unlikely choice it's just somebody that my partner like found and it's you know the studio of course was like who is this we're not you know they (laughs) initially were hesitant to approve this writer because they don't know she's never done it before Mm -hmm. and she turns out to be a, a real star
1: how do you how do you work with someone like that who is so green how do you get them into the script writing process
3: well up in this particular case we would give her we start th- started throwing scenes her way mm-hmm. um, and her scene work or saw some sides i think is the way it started <laughs> uh, we needed some sides for uh, some actors uh, and um, she, it, was, it was obvious uh, just even from that point that she got the show and was really good at it that's and right. then and then we started giving her scripts that's great
1: uh, I, and peter same question <clears throat> I mean, I wonder, were you able to look at people you had
4: worked with before for this very different show? Yeah, it is an, it's interesting that you bring that up because I did hire somebody who I knew and who was extremely capable and uh, did a great job for me in a previous show, and they couldn't do it. Really? They just, I mean, they, this is not, I'm not being subjective here. This is right. somebody who came to me and said, <laughs> I cannot do this wow. because it was an unusual show. It had, in some part, a made-up language, a made-up culture. Um, None of the characters were verbal. They don't. You can't. If you were somebody who is a wit, who this and and this writer was something of a wit, you didn't have that leg to stand on because these are not verbal people and they're not educated. They also don't know any topical references. They barely know anything that goes on in our world. So you'd just be lost. When we were putting the staff together, we. You know, unfortunately, people go, well, I've worked on a procedural. And you go, well, I can't, I, that's not going to help me. <laughs> I mean, the last thing, you know, that's, I guess, good for plot, but certainly not for character. Um, and so that didn't help. I read a lot of pilots. People had sort of passion projects. I know somebody wrote about uh, steel the steel business or the steel industry and we were shooting in pittsburgh and and that was sort of interesting and and somebody else wrote about some other subculture Mm -hmm. because that's what we were really doing a show about a subculture and and that's the stuff that we responded to and you know and the idea of of finding somebody in an unlikely place is certainly valid and to be commended because frankly it's a crapshoot anyway it's just a crapshoot. shoot it, it really is. you hire people and they either work out or they don't they either hook in or they yeah. don't and in terms of what people can do in a meeting is first of all just obviously be themselves don't put put don't don't put forth the ideal version of yourself, just be who you are because i you know I don't <coughs> want to be surprised and find out you're a jerk, and I have to sit in a room with you for five <laughs> days a week you know all those hours, but I think it's it hopefully they will and especially once the show has been on for a while they will have seen the show or in our case, the earliest thing, they could read the pilot or whatever else and have something to say about it and not just, I really liked it Mm -hmm. just have some sort of you know, go out on a limb and say, I could see it going here or I think this is a really interesting part of this or the theme that really speaks to me is "Mm." that way at least I know you've read it and you've hooked into it and maybe I can ignite some I can use that interest or passion.
1: Yeah, do you guys who have uh, hired staffs, do you encourage pitching in that initial meeting?
4: I don't. You I don't. don't. I, I think it's, I it's just did it. That's the point. It's not,
3: <laughs> and, and, or, or, it, it's,
4: it's an early show, they don't. You know, right. Know All they, they, they have is the pilot. I don't want to hear pitches, I, I just. I just went into a weird situation where I was asked to possibly take over. I'm not going to give you any detail. <laughs> <it's laughs> terrible. But you, could,
1: you should say it and we'll bleep it.
4: No, I, I will not say it, and you will not believe it, because I won't say it. But I was asked to take over a high-profile network, half-hour, right back to half-hour, right? And I then had to have a meeting with some of the participants of that show, in which I decided, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to really go out there, and I'm going to pitch. I'm going to come in with a storyline. And I'm sure I didn't get the gig, because, <laughs> you know, it was just, I, I, quite, I didn't quite understand... Who I was dealing with, <laughs> and I said, "Yes, and there's a human sacrifice." <laughs> Oops, you know, too far or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, why what, you may, but That's maybe why you don't bitch in an initial meeting. Right. And it's also got, a little have, presumptuous. It's
3: presumptuous. You, you, you have to, even if you've seen mm-hmm. the show, you don't know the culture of that show right. and the way you got to figure out the way people think and
4: and, mm-hmm. and
3: uh, it's it's like when I did the show Twenty Four. When I, I was a fan of the show, and I always, I was just, just like, I have no idea how they do this. It was like a magic trick. Mm-hmm. Like, how do they plot this? How is this done? Like, I, I don't think I can do this. But then once you spend time with the, the, the staff, you realize, oh, they're just doing the same old thing, but a little bit differently. <laughs> they're banging their heads against the wall. Uh, but I don't know if I'm making any sense, but to come in pitching is... Jumping the
4: gun. I do think. you remember, mm-hmm. like you know, when they used? to... I mean, I don't know what happens now in the business, but remember, uh, uh, spec script. They always said, "You will never get hired mm-hmm. by the show that you write. This, don't write for a show you want to get hired for because you'll never get hired." And there's some of that presumption in that. Oh, we can see you can write, but how dare you? Right. Mm-hmm. How dare you <laughs> attempt to write our show as well as we? You do. never know what. Uh, Seinfeld in would terms do, of samples, you,
3: you mentioned something that that I like... To, I like a writing sample to be a, 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 a passion project, mm-hmm. an original pilot spec. Mm-hmm. I have no interest in seeing an episode of Game of... or whatever show. Yeah. I, and I kind of mm-hmm. think that's done now. Are people still doing that?
2: Even? No, I don't, yeah. well, I don't it think is, I've ever read it. It's, a,
3: it's an odd thing
1: because the the, the specs of existing shows still are what the fellowships and the, the sort of contests take. Really? Um, yeah. I think overall, I think 100%, they don't take original material. So, that's I, so weird. That's and I think really there weird. is value in doing these. I mean, when you get hired as a staff writer... Your job is to emulate the voice of your showrunner, right? Yeah. So it's if nothing else, it's I think it's a good exercise. It's a
4: great exercise, but you have to do two things. That's the thing: you have to show yourself and yeah. emulate somebody else. Absolutely. And that's a really tough thing to pull off.
1: Well, that was actually something I wanted to talk to all of you guys about. So, you know, you're working on shows whether they're your own or you're not, or they're not your own. Have you been able to tell a personal story in Someone else's show, or in a show that you didn't necessarily create, um, whether it's the show you're on now or a show that you've worked on in the past. Are you saying a, a, a personal show, a show we worked on, or, or a show that you worked on? Were you able to tell a personal story? I did. I did. through I someone did. else's did. show. <laughs> no. Well, wait a minute. Somebody else's show. Yeah. When you, if you were on staff,
4: or if you I did Larry were co-create, and I mm-hmm. was uh, an EP for many years, and. I was on the show for all six seasons, but I had a fight um, with this is this shows you how brave I am. I had a fight with Rip Torn one time, not a physical fight, but a yelling fight and i don 't really lose my cool that often, but I just completely went ape shit on on rip and <laughs> torn, yelled at each other i mean craziness you know, and it really disturbed me first of all that i 'd lost my cool, and I thought about it for a long time, and I finally decided i 'm going to write about it and I wrote an episode of the Larry Sanders show where His character has a fight with Larry, and he spends the whole night in the... in the offices, and he gets to do everything. It's really a tour de force for the actor. He gets to sing and do Shakespeare, and he does all this stuff. He meets a janitor in the middle of the night, a Romanian who does not speak English, and they immediately bond and become best friends. He gives him his watch at one point, and at some point, it just all goes bad, and they go have a huge fight, and they break up again, and then Joe ends. It's the next day, and everything sort of works out. But it was really, the episode was really about I'm the janitor, okay? I'm the janitor. We're all trying to, you know, the janitor is the guy who Cleans up at night on the show, and Artie works. He cleans up during the day. They do the same job. They're working towards the same goal, and they can't communicate. And I wrote it, and that's and it was a great show. Was it cathartic for you? Yeah, he never knew. He never knew. (laughs) I never told him until now. Well, now he would know. He's a big fan. He would know. But uh, yeah, he he uh, submitted it and won an Emmy. (laughs)
2: <laughs> wow. so
4: once again, screwed again by the business. That's terrific, though. <laughs> but that's, that's true. That's,
1: that's like... Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and that's sort of the most obvious example of that, right? And
4: Is I did it, too. Working out a very specific yeah. thing. I did it with Dave Chappelle, too, really? on Sanders, where we had a bad pilot experience, and we wrote a version of it on Sanders and did That's it. great. Yeah. Um,
1: Shereen, I'm curious about this show now. Have you been able to tell a personal story through the lens of Shadowhunters?
0: Um, a story that we just broke, and I can't say too much because you know it's it hasn't aired and it won't air for a while. But I can say the the thing that I loved the, the, about the books and that I connected when, in the books with is that there's uh, it deals a lot with prejudice and and uh, kind of a class system within what's known as the shadow world, and so the downworlders, which are like vampires and werewolves and warlocks and sealies always tend to be under the thumb of the shadow hunters in some fashion and so we are telling a story god i hope i'm not giving away too much about registration and so um so yes it's a little bit personal to me right now, <laughs> <I know. laughs> um being worried about that and um and and when all of this was happening initially I was like okay I need to think about my escape route to Canada
1: (laughs) Uh, what was the was there a lot of conversation in the room about how to present this idea and whether it should even be presented
0: um actually no I mean it was it was honestly as we were um breaking the beginning of the season the storyline just kind of came about organically and um and it just so happened that it was at this time in, in history, and everybody was like, "Yep, yeah, we got to tell this story." And I was, I was really happy about that.
1: That's really interesting, um, Brennan, we When you were here before, we talked about getting to tell the sort of stories you wanted to tell on the various Trek shows, um, which were often sort of Twilight Zoneish ideas. Uh, so we talked about the mechanical aspects, you know, the fun you had in. in Telling the you know using the tropes to tell the stories, but have there have you been able to tell personal stories in other people's shows?
3: I you know I I have to say probably not. I mean I I don't know is the honest answer. I've never set out to. Mm -hmm. I mean you bring personal elements into the your writing. You know lines of dialogue, naming a character after a high school (laughs) teacher. (laughs) You know um, your Obviously, you're bringing your personal experiences to bear on everything because that's all—that's all you have, and, and the knowledge you've accrued through education or reading. Um, but in terms of like tr- setting out to tell a, a story that I experienced, um, no, mm-hmm. that, I, that's never—I don't think so. That's, that's a really boring answer. How about you? <laughs>
2: no, I I completely agree. I, I don't think I've told any one particular story, but I mean, even just even just shaping the tone. Of something, I think it's you know shaped by movies that I grew up with and dynamics that I grew up around and family dynamics and, and this and that. So I, I mean, even just, you know at like a microscopic level, everything I think is personal. But you know, well, it's funneled
1: through yeah. your perspective, right? Yeah. And that's going to be personal by the way, that's regardless.
3: a that that's a good point. And on Salem, which is a, I've never done horror, but horror has always been my first mm-hmm. love genre wise. So I think in this show, I'm getting it all out. Yeah. Like all, uh, you know, homages to every director and movie that mm-hmm. I I grew up yeah. on. So it is, it is actually very personal. Yeah. Um. In some ways. Can yeah. I can I ask
4: you guys a question? Because a couple of you have said you love horror, and it's the thing I hate. I mean, I just have no. I don't like those things. I don't. What is the appeal? Like, what what is it about horror that you tell, really? You gets answer you that, you that question. You know?
0: <laughs> um. For me, I'm not. I'm a big sci-fi geek, but horror is probably on, in terms of everything that is sci-fi, horror is on the bottom rung of that. But Mm -hmm. the things that I like about horror, um, for example, right now I watch Teen Wolf, which I really love, is that there's um, some really great moments and character moments that come out of that because you're you're so invested in the characters and so invested in what happens to them and then it's like, oh, shit, are they... Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> are they going to die? <laughs> yeah.
3: Sure, the stakes horror, are so horror, high. Horror right? uh, is... I, I, I like being scared. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the... I think horror movies, at, at their best, are really well-made films. And they're hard... It's probably... I've never done comedy, but... It's all hard, first of all. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but to, to get something that, to work to make you believe something, something supernatural is mm-hmm. real. I don't like the slasher pictures, by the way. I just oh, like right. the, the shows monsters. about well, monsters okay. and those. But, you know, horror can also be incredibly cathartic. And the best horror reflects something that's going on in society. Like one of the great horror films of the 20th century was Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Like, Godzilla God. would, yeah. would ultimately become... A kind of a pop cultural hero Oh gosh! but the original Godzilla particularly the Japanese cut is a horror movie beyond horror and it was just 20 years after Hiroshima and this was not so subtle a, a, a cathartic way to yeah. confront what had happened right. and it's, it's all the more impactful because of that and um, so there are, there are things about horror that I think are So it's not the Raymond Burr version
2: <laughs> no. The well, American it's that's version.
3: still a good version. Yeah, not that one, not that one. But By yeah, the way, now as I'm talking, I'm thinking, well, everything does. But you're that. saying, everything. but you just said you like to be scared. I like and to I be scared. And I guess that's
4: the difference for <laughs> Absolutely. I
0: don't, I don't really like being scared either, but
1: there's certain.
4: There's some kind of attention that you would appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I there's think it's, we're talking about sort of,
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, you, you've covered sort of two things, Brandon, which I think are both true of horror. One is, it is very close to comedy. You know, there in, in you're getting release. Mm-hmm. a release. Mm-hmm. You're getting in a very immediate reaction, and the making of it has to set that up and sell it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I'm sorry. Go
2: ahead. Well, I, I mean, I, th- I think you know, to talk about movies, comedy, and horror, those are the best places to be in a yeah? crowded theater watching something incredibly mm-hmm. funny. They're mm-hmm. both, you know, they're both horror can be, you know, very terrifying when you're alone, but when you're with a crowded group of people. Screaming. Screaming. And everyone is
4: just, you know, like one. I think you've just hit on it. I think you have just completely done it for me. (laughs) When I was a kid, I babysat in my neighborhood. And there were these people, and I always babysat their kids. And they said, we'll be home by 11. They were never home at (laughs) 11. Maybe it was 2. I'm not kidding. 2 o'clock in the morning. And there was a thing on the local independent station in Boston. WLDI. No. What was it called? 38. 38. Yep. WSBK, TV 38, the Bruins. Yeah, okay. So they, he, there was a thing called, and there was a guy, and it was one of those weird, like, late-night chiller mm-hmm. theater guys, oh, and yeah. they would show those, and it scared the shit out of me, and the parents would come home at 2 in the morning, and I'd be on the ceiling. You yeah. know? I, that's why I don't like those movies. Along? I think, sure. Thank
3: you. But, by the way, speaking of laughing and screaming, we're, we're not born laughing. We're born screaming. <laughs> It's dark. It's very dark. No, I mean, it's the truth. <laughs> yeah. It's not like a, if a baby came out and they slapped the baby and it started laughing, you'd freak yeah. out. Yeah, It'd yeah, be like would the weird. creepiest that thing you've
1: ever seen.
2: <laughs> that would be that's horror. horror,
0: yeah. like, that's horror. <laughs> or it's the um, baby from V and then the tongue just comes out. The <laughs> there you go. You know? <laughs> uh,
1: and to the other point that uh, Brandon was making, uh, as storytellers, I think there's a lot in horror. Like the tropes lend themselves so easily to metaphor. Right, and that's really appealing. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: uh, there's it's almost a shortcut at this point, uh, getting something to stand for some human experience, uh, and and it's it's fun in that way. Anyway, you guys, I want to talk uh, some nuts and bolts things here. Um, you've all been in great rooms. Uh, I assume your room is great. Um, <laughs> what are what are things that a low-level writer can do to make him or herself valuable in a room and what are some mistakes that you've seen writers make in rooms
2: uh, i i think it's a mistake to um to sit on a pitch uh i i think it's it's the most nerve-wracking thing in the world and i remember my first staff job i was dead silent for mm-hmm. you know a good two weeks mm-hmm. um But you know, on the other, you know, from the showrunner perspective, you just want input, I think, and it's and yeah, there are bad ideas, but it's you. Everyone has bad ideas, and I think just contributing to a conversation is is incredibly important.
1: On that first job, how did you finally work up (laughs) the courage to?
4: Pit. you just you, had a, you had a pitch that was too good
2: yeah it was. you did
4: probably right i can't let this one just sit here
2: yeah um yeah or, or you know I, I had a pitch that i thought was too good and then it was shot <laughs> <down>. <laughs> I'm like, okay. oh okay well the band-aid's been ripped off so now i can just it's not gonna get worse than
4: that pitch <laughs> my um, my daughter just went to school and she i took her to orientation and she's like she says i'm so nervous i said don't worry everybody is everybody you 're mm-hmm. the same as everybody here they 're all nervous yeah. it 's the same thing in a writer's room, especially when you 're starting out. everybody's nervous and I think the best advice you can have is just like a comedian. know your room. take some time you mm-hmm. don't first of all, just don't spout you know all the time. Just learn the dynamics of the room and see who leads and who whatever, and what the flow is. And then put yourself into that flow. Don't go against it. Put yourself into that flow. I worked with somebody who would always, and it was a comedy, who would always go, yeah, always go, uh, da, 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 da They'd pitch it, you know. And, and, you'd, and it would be, first of all, wrong for the moment, wrong for the character, wrong for, it was just wrong. It was wrong all the way around. But such, they were so certain. And then you'd say to them, uh, that, yeah, first of all, you'd have to stop. And go, huh, yeah, do the fake laugh. Now, that's four seconds, right? (laughs) And then you'd have to go, look, I I think maybe we're looking for something. And the person would always then defend it. Now, Hmm. that's 20 more seconds. And this would happen over and over and over. So how much time did we lose every day because of this one person? I've made those calculations. <laughs> well, you have time to. No. no, I mean, I've thought had that same thought. Yeah, you
3: know, yeah. It don't 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 pitch everything that just comes into your head. I mean, once you once you understand the dynamics of the room, as you say, mm-hmm. you're going to know when a pitch is is worth pitching. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I mean, you've worked in some rooms with people who are passionate about characters and stories and ideas. How how does that start to like? How does that not go off the rails? And I'm certain there are times when it did go off the rails. But how did you know? Either you keep it on the rails, or the showrunner keep it on the
3: rails. I mean, knock on wood, I've never had to shut down a show, Mm. which is the showrunner's, I don't know, cardinal sin, lament, uh, terror, terror. Yeah. uh, And um, that's just keeping it, just having discipline, and you just got to keep it going. You just Mm. have to keep it going, and. Luckily, I've been extremely fortunate to have good people surrounded by great people, Mm -hmm. because there's no way in hell I could do any of it
4: by myself. When When you're starting out, you do have to get lucky in that you have to work with the right people, and this is just luck. Good showrunners, who are not like the stereotypical one is the unmarried guy who doesn't want to go home, and so he doesn't care how long you stay in the office, (laughs) so it's sort of a party, and until it's 2 in the morning when you really have to finish, and and that happens night after night, that's not good. Or the person who is, uh, and there are many of these people in the business who don't really, who can't really listen they have their own idea of what it's going to be and ultimately you're wasting your time and filling their day up or maybe they'll grab some little piece of your idea and ultimately they do everything and you end up, you know, in some cases emasculated or or wondering why the hell you're there. There's a lot of those people. So you have to get lucky. You have to get lucky in a room where people just open. Yeah. Uh, Shereen, you're nodding.
0: Oh, (laughs) just in general, yeah. No, I mean... I think the mistakes that I've seen and the mistakes that I've certainly made when I was a staff writer, just knowing when to let a pit, uh, pitch go. Mm-hmm. Because there's a certain um, amount that you can defend it, but then know when to just let it go. And then uh, another one that I've seen is uh, pitching something that was clearly you wanted to pitch, like, ten minutes ago, but the room has moved way (laughs) beyond that. (laughs) It's just like, sometimes pitches pitches just have to die. (laughs) And inevitably, I mean, I've also seen, you know, inevitably the room will just come back around and you can pitch it then, but don't take the room backwards.
4: Mm -hmm. I love the people who also do the thing where they go, no, the reason I pitched that was because, like, you need a reason. (laughs) You said no. You said, well, I only pitched that because of what was said earlier with it. I don't care about the etymology of the pitch.
2: There's my I've internal logic. What's right.
4: what's- <laughs> <laughs> There's also
3: the opposite obfuscator. Ob, <clears throat> it's hmm. so like different uh, archetypes. Uh, um, don't be negative. Don't don't ju- don't shoot things down. Don't mm-hmm. find a reason for something mm-hmm. not to work because you always can find a reason to make it work. And the people who aren't—I mean, I just have a, a very low tolerance for for negativity. I think it's also important to be good to the people, the writers you work with, and to encourage them to bring their own voice to the show, because the show is what it is, but it can be better. And it's when you find a writer who can write the show better than you can, Mm -hmm. you've you've prayed. But did you you. pray? Thank you, you, God. You pray, yes, exactly. You're like, oh... (laughs) My life is saved. Yes, exactly.
1: Um, I mean, that does, and that comes up again and again. That seems to be the thing that every showrunner is looking for, right, is make my job easier. I have so much to do, so what is the one thing that another writer
3: can do? Well, the best thing to me, at the end of the the day, what's on the page is important. I mean, there are people who are really great in the room, but if they can't write the show, Mm -hmm. they better be really great in the room. Now, this is just my Hmm. opinion, you know. Sure. Um, but, uh, well, that, and that was sort
1: of my next question: is you know what what can a writer on staff do on the page to make it to make the showrunner's job easier? And what are common mistakes that you guys have seen writers
4: make, or you, that you have made yourselves? If you spend uh, if you spend a great deal of time, which we do on Outsiders, we had to because it was such an unknown in the first couple of seasons, and we spend such so much time in the room and going, okay, we've. We've done all the initial work, and now we're going to go beat by beat, scene by scene. And I'm going to say, I think here's the attitude for that. And everything. don't surprise me. Don't sit <laughs> now. Don't get creative and send me something where I go, what? what's this scene on the moon? I don't understand. That, where did that come from? <laughs> you know, I, that's not going to help me because we've already spent all that, that work. Now that's tough because a person may go, I felt there was a problem, and I chose to solve it this way. Maybe, maybe better to if you felt there was a problem, get in touch with me and go. Here's what I'm thinking and whatever, mm-hmm. as opposed to surprising me. That
1: is, a, and that's something I have run into too, where everything sort of does need to be cleared
4: with the boss. You know, I think yeah, and there's something to be said for look. I love the fact that somebody went. I'm going to fix this on my own. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a sense there of you know they're they're being proactive about it, and but at the same care. time, yeah, and they care. But sometimes those things are just like, wait a minute, that just doesn't make sense. Yes. <laughs> it's what you just did here. So
1: it's sort of negating the work that has already been done. Work, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. It's um, kind of like you know, bring it back to pitching in in meetings for right you know, to, to be hired on staff. Yeah. It's if it if it it's basically a fifty fifty chance. You go one way and it makes your job so much easier. <laughs> you go the other way and you've completely screwed yourself. Mhm. Uh, have you
1: run into this? I mean, you, you're winding up here with a brand-new show, so you have a lot of work to do communicating to the staff what this show is. Uh, yeah. And I would imagine that there are writers who also have By their way,
3: own ideas. How'd it go? <laughs> uh,
2: I think it went pretty well. We'll see. We're, we're wrapping up. Um, well, we air January 2nd, so January 1st I'll be able to kind of... <laughs> perspective. perspective
3: that you survived...
2: Yeah, yeah. I have um, uh, another showrunner, uh, David Icke, who's who's okay. helped me a, a lot. He's, he's done this before, so um, he kind of, you know, keeps the train running. And
4: This is your first show? Yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> this is his first show. How old are you? 33? 33. 33.
2: Mm-hmm. He's young. Do you have he's any young. questions for these
4: guys? <laughs> he's <a> young guy. <laughs> That's great. Oh we, need, for you. we need twelve hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Call me anytime. You just hear me go. Oh, I know. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Do, you have, oh, do
2: you have a comfortable couch I can lie on? <laughs>
4: no noise. It can't
1: yeah. be. Is, let, let me ask you this though: Is the show? I mean, you know, you're you're sort of wrapping up post-production mm-hmm. in the next couple weeks. Is the show that you are seeing on the screen the show that you imagine that
2: you would make? Um, for the most part, yes. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's. Well the show that I wrote the, the script as a as a spec script yeah. and at every step of the way, you know, it's changed here and there and the more people you bring on, it changes I think for the better. Mm-hmm. So it it is different, um but I, I, I think it's I think it's better. Yeah, um so that's great. it's uh, yeah, it's it's been fun. it's been fun.
4: You can okay. seem like you're ready for a rest. <laughs> you, know, yeah. he, you know, you could work as like a young Rob Morrow. <laughs> Doesn't he look yeah. like Rob Morrow? You know who that is, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. believe I'm saying a young Rob Morrow. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know, rest is, his soul. For those of you listening, Rest his soul. Not
1: Vic Morrow. I'm talking about <laughs> Morrow. <laughs> like I <I've laughs> smoked two
2: packs of cigarettes since we've been sitting here. <laughs> is he a smoker? Rob Morrow,
1: yeah. I didn't. I, yeah. did, I did not. Listen, we're that. not here to out Rob Morrow as <laughs> a liar. <smoker, laughs> he's or not. He's got
4: his own problems. I understand. <laughs> <What>? I'm kidding. <laughs> he's a fine person. Uh,
1: you guys, I want to talk about one more thing, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Um, and that is, the worlds of your shows are not necessarily the worlds that we live in. Uh, and I want to talk about, uh, especially in the early seasons, for you guys. Um, one, the thing that we were just touching on with Adam, which is how to convey that world or how that world is conveyed to you as the writing staff. Um, but two, how do you start to set it up for the audience? I mean, oftentimes there's a lot of information that needs to come out, right? And exposition is hard, and we know that. But um, how did you start to build these worlds in a way that made sense for the writers and then for the audience?
3: Well, I'll jump in if you don't yeah, want because I had a, a, a telling experience when I first started with Adam Simon who came up with the idea for Salem and we sat down and he'd written a beautiful and beautifully written document about the show which is a, quite frankly the reason I was eager to do it because I, I saw a, a, a beautiful writer here but it was all backstory hmm. the, the history of each character and the history of the world and, and, I, and I remember saying this document is fairly useless but it's filled with great stuff, and let's make the backstory into story. Mm. So, I personally, in building a world, I'm, I'm interested in immersing the audiences in it and not necessarily figuring everything out. You know, just when you meet a character, I don't know what their backstory is. If it's important to forward moving story, yeah. But um, I think. I don't know if I'm answering this question, except to say that I world-build an episode at a time.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think that's how many of us work, is we're interested in the forward momentum, right? We're interested in the character and where he or she is going, and the story and where that is going. But, I, I mean, I remember you, you guys had to pitch Salem also, and I know a big question
3: is often about backstory, and about the rules of well, the, the world. The, well, I'll tell you. I think the thing the networks are most, at least from my experience, they want to know what what your plan is mm-hmm. moving forward. You know, great pilot. What's the series on a weekly basis? Do you you know do you have a vision? Um, I'm not interested in telling people the rules of the world or the backstory of anything. I mean, if you think of the great characters, the TV characters, and lined up. The 20 best TV characters, I guarantee you, you really don't know a lot about their backstory. Yeah. You know what their personality is, you know what they're like, you know what their job is, you know who their spouse is, but I, you know, that, this is just my opinion, mm-hmm. but I just, uh, I'm not into, that I'm not being clear. No, you are you being are. clear. <laughs> you're just saying you're not I, being,
4: you're not being uh, blunt about it. I mean, we, we, uh, we treat it the same way with Outsiders. And a lot of it was the, the cast saying, well, what about this? Like, how, if they have been up here for 200 years, how do they, what do they, you know, do they believe in God? Do they, you know, all these questions. Hmm. And we just, in, on the way through story, answered some of them. And not just said, oh, here's how we make our corn. You know, it's not like that. It's just you see them doing it. And the audience has to go, oh, that's interesting where they're just piecing together, they're knitting together this world as you show them little pieces of it, you know. Yeah. And you don't know. And you don't you know, don't, because you don't, you don't have the it. answers.
0: Yeah.
4: It's yeah. only when you go, well, we have to, like, we had to do uh, a wedding. And I said, well, what would, what would make this distinctively a feral wedding? So I said, here's what they, they do. It's, uh, they, have a, they run a gauntlet. They make the, the groom run a gauntlet between I originally envisioned it in a large field and the, the whoever's doing the ceremony and the bride are on one side and he's there and all these men are on the other side and they, they, they give a, a shout or whatever and the guy has to make it to that bride and if he can make it there he earns the right and the other try to <laughs> no, no. beat the That's hell great. out That's of him but it's very male yeah. it's very you know a lot of testosterone and it just seemed like what that world would be So it's just making up stuff like that. A
3: great example, you brought up Star Trek earlier. When Star Trek came out, Roddenberry had created an incredibly simple, deceptively simple premise of something called Starfleet, which which is a whole group of vessels that went out on exploration. Five years. And and here was this particular ship. It was only 900 episodes later, literally, that a a history Hmm. had been built. Like, you go to a Star Trek convention, everyone knows that history. Yeah. It's rich, it's detailed,
4: events, people, but only over time, I think. Yeah, in the pilot of Star Trek, the only thing that had happened was some guy named Pike got a bad deal. <laughs> that, you know, right? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. it. <laughs> uh, and and I'm, I guess the
1: only things that count are the things that are seen on screen anyway. And I think the thing that I'm sort of getting hung up on is is that pitch. And having to explain everything, and it feels like that's i mean I, I would imagine you had to face
2: that with beyond yeah and it's and it's just a constant struggle and it's <laughs> something you have to you have to feel out and you know are are we getting too heavy in exposition mm-hmm. here um, you know and it's it's something that you have to be conscious about at every step of the way, I think, but I mean I agree i mean it's i'm way more interested in and in, Stories going forward. Yeah. Um,
1: all right. I believe it. Okay. You guys all have shows coming out. We've properly plugged
4: those, right? Yes. I think Great. Outsiders I think so. is on in January, like in the 20s. I don't have the exact <laughs> date. So please, just go to, your, go to the D- WGN website. I don't know if you found this. You know, when the show went on, they had to actually hire somebody on social media. If somebody said, I don't know where to find the show, this person would track them down and go, go to our website. There's a zip code searcher. You can find out where in your community. W- <laughs> so please do that if you're listening. Do that. WGN America. There, there you, you go. go.
1: And when is Cosmos back?
3: Um, it hasn't been a, a officially announced, oh. so I—it's I, you know, sometime next year. Now I'm going to assume this is weeks. not about the drink. No, <laughs> uh, Cause I, cause I think I've I seen that's, it before. that's, that's, some, I, that's something. We that's got
4: a great, lot of legs. Well, there's a show. a show because <laughs> I also watch Manhattan for that reason. <laughs> sorely disappointed. <to> <laughs> like,
1: what the hell is this? <laughs> Shadowhunters January
0: January second.
1: All right, not all at once. And beyond January second,
3: January second. All at once. We're all up against each other. I don't like this. All (laughs) January. Why you? Why you? If you're on the same net, you're both on Freeform. Yes. Why are you all at
2: once and you're not? It's a good question. We're all at once, but also (laughs) we're on a week by week basis. So I think they. It's it's kind of an experiment. Sure. Um, It's the first show that Freeform's done to offer the. Binge watching experience. And does the
1: so? story lend itself to that? I imagine it's highly serialized, so it's, yeah, it makes yeah makes sense yeah. for you.
2: Yeah, I, I I think it I think it does. We obviously didn't write it knowing that we would yeah. be a, a binge watching show. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's but every episode does end on a cliffhanger because it's you know I I don't know that it makes much difference because if you if you air on a week by week basis you still have to get people to come back whether it's You know, two minutes later or a week later, Mm -hmm. I think. So the cliffhangers are all there. Makes sense. It's one story, yeah.
1: Good. We'll we'll look for it. Um, We'll just wrap up by asking you guys what you are watching on television right now. What is getting you excited or inspired? What are you talking about with your family, your
3: collaborators? Um, Brandon, let's start with you. You don't, my TV viewing habits are not commendable. Uh, I, I tend to not watch, I'm watching Westworld. Um... Because because I I think yeah I just the science fiction I feel obligated sure. to, and it's part of the conversation. It's the part TV of the conversation. Right now, okay. um, but uh, generally speaking, I mean I I gravitate toward things like The Bachelor and <laughs> Survivor. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think it's one. It's it's. it's I can't believe uh, I sat next to you. I know. Mind uh, blown. like The Bachelor's about love. It's a it's an uncynical <laughs> view. Bella. I think it's a beautiful show. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> did not expect that that premieres in January yeah, really. <laughs>
1: <laughs> can I watch them all in one what are you watching
0: I'm also a little atypical for our room and, and I, I keep trying to get people to watch these two shows but um i've been watching supernatural from the very beginning really i'm a little bit behind i will admit i'm still trying to catch up on last That's season
1: been you're on only 13 years yeah. <laughs> you're only on season 15 and they're on
0: 25 <laughs> <laughs> and um and teen wolf are two of my favorite favorite shows and then of course i'm watching westworld but i'm behind and um and luckily caught up on game of thrones Uh, I said I'm a fantasy (laughs) sci-fi geek.
1: You're serious about it. Uh, Young
2: Rob Morrow. (laughs) I'm really enjoying Martha and Snoop's potluck dinner party. I (laughs) keep hearing about this. Um, At Uh. the end of a long day. um, I keep going back to The Affair. I can't stop watching it. Um, What is it about The Affair? uh, I just love the he said, she said storytelling dynamic. It's just something that from the very beginning has kind of <laughs> this is just my own personal opinion. Oh my god!
4: I tried to get through the affair. I mean, I was hooked in like for the full first season. I was yeah, like watching it. every episode, and I was like, "Wait a minute! Yeah. Wait a minute! They're not going to say who the murder." And I was pissed. Yeah, who died and who did it, and everything. Then when I found, and I even found out early from somebody in production, I said, "All right, who did it and how did it happen?" And they told me, and I went, "I'm not watching this show. That's ridiculous." <laughs> I don't know. I never watched it. I love Moira Tierney. Yeah. she's the cool. cast great. is incredible. Yeah, she's great. Too. They're I, all good, but Maura is very. good. Yeah. she's. I just can't stop. <laughs> you need. <laughs> you just you, have, you have momentum to get together. <laughs> <laughs> get some help. What are you watching? This is not going to be big good. shot. That, this is going to be really bad. First of all, I do. I have. I'm having that thing where I, 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 still haven't watched the third season of Transparent, and I desperately want to. But once I start, it'll be that much over. So I don't want to start because mm. I want to keep it. Out out there as a, a possibility of something I'll really enjoy. Mostly I'm watching, this is a bad combination, old British comedy. Like what? I've been watching a uh, bit of Fry and Laurie, mm-hmm. a lot of that. I watched all of Black Adder recently. Yay. Again, which I love.
0: Good neighbors. Uh,
4: very cunning. Mm-hmm. I, that I don't know. That I don't know. Uh, okay. And there was something else. I, I watched Miranda. I've watched all the episodes. Miranda Hart is a stand-up, it. and okay. it's a very interesting show that wouldn't—I don't think—ever work here, but at least fun. And then, uh, and then my partner and I unfortunately have the same sort of taste, with the uh, so it's a lot of Project Runway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm technically not watching; he is. I'm just sort of there, okay. but I think oh, those people can actually design good stuff. Yeah, I'm really you something. with that. I really—I'm I, I, yeah. all hooked in.
1: Thank you guys. These are terrible
2: answers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all so much for being here. Uh, Come back and talk with us soon, I hope. (laughs)
4: Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Now leaving nerdist.com.